1: Music fans rejoiced when rock and roll came to television. At last, they could see their favorite performers. Then they noticed they couldn't hear
2: anything when all that sound was squeezed into a four-inch speaker. Music fans cursed the
1: day they were born. But MTV heard their cries and sent word that full stereo sound could be had just by calling their local cable company. And music fans were glad again. MTV Music Television. Call for a stereo hookup today.
2: Come on in, you are welcome. It's another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I'm Uncle Greg. We have the PhD of music, Brett Fargo. Hello. And we have the ambassador of love, the guy who just took a big gulp of water to get ready for this huge episode. <clears throat> bueno.
0: Uh, are you well hydrated
2: are i'm you very hydrated Katie bueno <laughs> bueno's been on a he's been on one today already i think it's yeah. going to be a very interesting episode where we take a look at our top albums of 1983 a good year for music a good year for rock a lot of rock albums would have fell into this list for me if they were part of alternative music you know like ozzy osbourne uh, quiet riot the second album i ever bought was released mm. in 83. So there was a lot of great uh, Holy Diver from Dio released in 83. So you went straight from Duran Duran to Quiet Riot. That was yes. I that was my first one I bought was Duran Duran and then yes. And the second one was Quiet Riot. Yeah. But I bounced back and forth. Like I said, I was never, I'm schizophrenic with my music now. I'll be listening to Michael Buble, into Slayer, into, you know, Duran Duran, into Lords of the New Church. I just go everywhere when I sit in front of my little laptop, listening to YouTube or whatever I'm listening to.
0: So you're like the guy, you heard a lot of people say it when you ask, oh, what kind of music are you into? Oh, I listen to all kinds of music, but really what they mean is they listen to bro country, trap rap, and top 40 pop.
2: I don't listen to any right. of that. Well, I know. Um, yeah. but, but you're the, actually the guy that can say, I listen to all kinds of music, and you mean it. I think so, yes, because yeah. I like all kinds of music. I'll listen to classical. Last night, driving home, listening to our classical station here in Phoenix. Uh, then I go from there, and you know, I'm listening to, so there is some country that I do like, but classic country. Classic. it those. Uh, got to be classic. Yeah, um, I really like that stuff. Um, let's see, what else do I listen to? But I listen to all kinds of things. I mean, it's just, if it's good, and it's just the way how it makes my chest feel for me. Yeah, I would Just say the your same. chest? Yeah, meaning my heart. Well, meaning that, like, if somehow you know, like, there's times when like tear you tear up when you hear a great song, or it says something to you, or it takes you to a place where you've already experienced, or sometimes yeah. when you can uh, feel the emotions, or something that you don't understand, and like then Slayer, like Slayer, like Rain in yeah. Blood. Like I've yeah. never been rained on in blood, but I can feel like what that would be like. If it did rain on like me. Like holidays in the sun or But it
0: is R E I G N in blood, right? Yes, like rain. As in like, like you're ruling in blood. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: Just gotta make sure I don't know my Slayer as well as I should. I'm not a huge Slayer fan, but there is some stuff out there that is pretty interesting to me. Okay, So there's some thrash metal that I like. And that's like in 1983, what almost made my list was Suicidal Tendencies, which put out their debut album with that uh, song. Just give me a Pepsi. I just want a Mm -hmm. Pepsi. Come on, Mom. That's a great song. That is a great song. Yeah. Almost picked it, but I did not. So spoiler alert there. Oh, no. It's not on your list this this week. I thought about it, but I found other albums that meant more to me or that I still listen to. So I picked those. Well, guys, so, you know, of course, this is the albums of 1983.
0: I went back into the time machine, back to episode 13, and we did our songs of 1983, and I did Mm -hmm. jot them down if we want to recap them, because I'm just curious how much crossover we're going to have between our songs songs and the albums. albums.
1: So,
2: So
0: just in case you guys were curious, Bueno picked Talking in Your Sleep by The Romantics. All You Ever Think About is Sex by Sparks, A Girl Called Johnny by The Water Boys, King of Pain by The Police, and Strip by Adam Ant. Uh, I chose Genetic Engineering by OMD, Within Your Reach by The Replacements, Gene by The Smiths, Death and the Maiden by The Verlaines, and Cattle and Cane by The Go-Betweens, and Uncle Greg had Added Up by The Femmes, uh, Revenge by Ministry, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2, The Love Cats by The Cure, and
2: Promises Promises by Naked Eyes. Wow. Cool. That was a long time ago now. Yeah, it was. Well we're on episode fifty one, so thirteen. Can't do the math in my head real quick, but that was a long time ago. Well look at Mr. Math over there. (laughs) No bueno, look at you. Yes. Yes. A plus
3: senor. Oh yeah. I had to do this one math test thing and they said, you know, there was like fifty questions and it was like a ten minute time limit and it was all math and I got
2: done in like half the time. I was done in like five minutes. And I'll tell you this, I would have picked Violent Femmes this week for one of the albums, but I picked it last week yep. for the debut album, so I kept it off my list this week. There you go. So there, there would have been go. a crossover right there, or at mm-hmm. least a connection to episode 13.
3: Have you seen uh, the one girl that decided she wanted to like ski naked? I mean, did you get excited when you saw Chelsea Handler skiing naked with both of our uh, flags flying on her, on her helmet? No i she haven't seen that see thank this. god oh you gotta see this she was smoking and drinking while she was doing that while you know oh. it's like the movie and the replacements when john madden mentioned hey is that guy smoking on the field so hey chelsea you need a pool boy hey pedro i say hey bueno come over here and you know i'll come and change your diatomaceous earth for you and vacuum the, the solid end of your pool and I'll shine up your coping, and and uh, you said that bush over here needs some trimming. Okay, so you know,
2: boy, I would love to do that, Chelsea. So uh, I, I think, Bueno's ready to get back to work. I think. How were those edibles, Bueno? (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow! I told you, Bueno's on one today. It's going to be quite interesting. I think this episode fifty-one. All right, (laughs) it's our top five albums of nineteen eighty-three, and I'll kick it off with my top five list. Now this album was released in March of that year. At the time, the reviews for this debut album were mixed. Some saw the talent, others saw and only heard doom. 38 years later, Tears for Fears debut album, The Hurting is considered daring and influential. The music of Tears for Fears has aged very well to me. The power of the songs, of course, Mad World, Change, Pale Shelter, still stir up senses of today's generation. If you play these songs for your teenagers, they're going to go, wow, Roland. What a songwriting genius. Kurt, he can emote the song lyrics, which stand on their own today. So, Tears for Fears, the hurting number five of my top albums of 1983, kicking off my list. Oh,
3: that's a great one. Great. All week
0: I've been listening oh, to Tears for Fears. All of a sudden I become Tony the Tiger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> great. Like
0: Great, great. <laughs>
2: <Greg>. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Bueno, I think you're next. Am My number five. Uh, I think
3: his strip again. So Adam Ant, November 7th, uh, his second solo project and his fifth overall, you know, counting his work with Adam and the Ants. And this record has more pop and dance than his previous and his songwriting collaborations with Marco is just beyond incredible. I mean, and he is also one of the main producers for this record and the, the critics slash crickets generally gave it unfavorable reviews. You know, you got Phil Collins playing drums on Puss in Boots and Strip. How can you go wrong with that, Phil? So, you know, Adam went from Captain Morgan to push the envelope Casanova and one fell swoop for this record. So, uh, you know, if you ever see the cover, Google Jane Russell's famous photo from Howard Hughes' 1943 film, The Outlaw. That's kind of where they figured that Puss in Boots, Strip type of thing for the catalog, for the, for the album cover, kind of. So this was Adam's biggest tour. of. He was in many cities and so on and so forth. He did this thing with a vine-covered bridge suspended above the audience and a Houdini-style immersion tank, and he would jump in, wearing only his black shorts, and after stripping his stage costume off during the course of the show, and uh, he did two singles off of this record, Puss in Boots and Strip, and and then they also had one, Playboy, which is actually an incredible hidden gem that was supposed to be the third single, but never happened. So. Let Me Scream at You, and of course, Playboy is my actually my favorite, and that is why Adamant Strip landed as my number five top five albums from 1983 to start this week's episode, Strip, baby Strip. One of our fun episode lovers told me we needed to gutterize this episode early, so... There you go. I'm stripping right now. There you go.
2: And Chelsea Handler skiing naked. Mm -hmm. And then let me throw in my sister, because I've told this story before, but my sister on that tour, she was sitting side stage and she claims she saw Mr. Adamant change and she saw his weenus.
1: Oh, really? The weenus I
2: guess maybe he was in his black shorts being dunked into the tank and then he maybe was toweling off or whatever, but that's I remember her coming home being very happy about (laughs) seeing a weenus. (laughs) (laughs) And it was Adam Antsweenus. So bonus, I guess. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) There we go. All right, Brett, take it Uh, after that. Yep.
3: Keep it going (laughs) in the gutter. she said. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you guys haven't checked out our conversation with Vanessa Briscoe Hay from Pylon from last week's episode, go back and do that because it was absolutely incredible to have her on the show and to listen to her awesome stories on the post-punk and the Athens scenes. So for number five, I'm going to put the exclamation point on last week's episode awesome with Pylon's second album from 1983 chomp so while the first album gyrate was full of minimalistic kinetic uh, punk rock energy the three years separating the two albums found the band not so much changing their art funk punk sound but rather fleshing it out and expanding upon it It sounds a little more in step with the new wave and jangle pop of 1983, but that's not the result of Pylon changing their sound rather than other bands starting to play catch up. The album is masterfully produced by Chris Stamey and Gene Holder from The D.B.s and engineered by the wonderful Mitch Easter. So you can't get a much better crew than that circa 1983. Like Gyrate, the album is a dance floor filler from start to finish. Again, the rhythm section shines, but now is more accomplished to sustain the grooves. Randy Buley, the guitarist, is equally proficient at R&B Fuel Chicken Scratch guitar, Snaky Lead Lines, and Southern Jangle. And of course, Vanessa Briscoe Hay is typically brilliant, showcasing her impeccable phrasing and vocals that can swoop from a controlled singing to a throaty scream, all in the course of one phrase. I dare you to listen to tracks like Yo-Yo, Buzz, or Beep and Sit Still. It also features probably their best known track, Crazy, a song so cool that REM covered it on the B side of Driver 8 and placed it as the lead track on their Dead Letter Office compilations. This is another album worthy of your attention and as mentioned in the last episode, fortunately it's now back in print as a standalone album or as a part of the marvelous Pylon box set beautifully packaged with the serrated cover and dinosaur photo that Vanessa recounted came from a postcard found by the band
2: in a Utah roadside gift shop. And that is my number five, Chomp by Pylon. Awesome. That's the great thing about this podcast that I love is that I never heard of Pylon really until last week. And then to... Discover that music and discover everything about him. I'm so happy yeah. that we did that. Gregory. Well, at number four on my list, it takes me back to early MTV, just like my number five pick. So let me tell you where I was mentally at the time. So remember, you're preteen, terrified what high school was really like. So music videos and movies, they kind of were telling you what your experience may be. So I could remember always watching videos and wondering what it was like in high school and you would see all those videos with everybody and how they were walking around high schools and how am I gonna compete with all that. But I can remember I'd watch MTV, hoping to hear doo doo do, doo do, doo do, doo 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 that's right robert smith the cure let's go to bed there was nothing like it and especially here in arizona man like, hey, phoenix arizona in 1983 welcome to KNIX ooh, hey here's some more country music and so it was just weird you know growing up on the west side of phoenix too which is kind of more industrial lower middle class
3: That was '83, right?
2: We're talking '83. Yeah. Japanese whispers.
3: Hold on, because I used to hang out at the point, and uh, I remember one time at the point at South Mountain, we were we were drinking and we were dancing to uh "Dancing by Myself" by Billy Idol. well
2: so, Yeah, well, uh, well that okay, yeah, that was '83, or yeah. that was before '83. But there wasn't a whole lot of radio stations that played that. You saw that in M, um, on MTV. There might have been, especially with like Billy Idol at that time, there might have been some top 40 stations in between whatever pop song was popular. You might hear some Billy Idol, but really the radio stations, we had KUPD, which was rock, KDKB, which was more like classic hippie rock. Um, so I don't know where you would hear that, but not and a I whole lot of stations cool that places. I knew of. Yeah, yeah, so you you hung out at, that, at the cool clubs back then. Yeah. But of course, Japanese Whispers, Let's Go to Bed, The Walk, which is a great song, Love Cats, they're all on this compilation album. And in 83, what was big on radio and on MTV was Def Leppard, ZZ Top, Ozzy Osbourne. Diary of a Madman came out that year, Quiet Riot. So The Cure was considered weird, but a guilty pleasure for me that continues to this day. So number four for me this week, The Cure is Japanese Whispers.
3: That's a beautiful one. She can whisper in my ear anytime.
0: My buddy and dedicated show listener, Andre, he sent me a text of a Robert Smith action figure. And I think it's fake. But, man, I wish that were real. I'm sure you can make one. I'd play dollies with Robert Smith.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, <And> Midge. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what's your number four? Please get us out of this. Okay, well, yeah, Man at work. Cargo, here we go.
3: Oh, there you go, yes. Uh, second studio album by this Australian powerhouse rock band. Released in April. Peaked at number one. Australia, number two in New Zealand. What happened there? Should have been number one in New Zealand
1: can get you sleep i think about the implications of diving into deep and possibly
3: the complication Two and number three in the u.s billboard 200 and uh, four singles released uh, with overkill being that international hit that kind of woke everybody up also after the you know first album of course but the, you know it, they kind of kick back with this record they held it back a while because the first record actually was still selling very well so they I think they held it up like six or seven months or something like that good reason to hold it up because your other album's still selling there's some definitely some hidden gems on this i mean settle down my boy upstairs in my house love ron's guitar work it's rad i mean it really is and no sign of yesterday's i mean colin's beautiful vocals and no restrictions man i mean this is all the stuff that's not you know, like Overkill and Dr. heckle mister Jive, and it's a mistake. I mean, this thing is really a nice piece of work, and peaked at number one for two weeks in Australia. I've actually held it off for 10 months, so, The band, they toured very extensively in 83 and actually uh, stopped by the US Festival and I was lucky enough to see them. Plus all these great bands on the same day and you know, some writers are saying that this is a better record than the first album and that's a real hard decision and maybe one day we should uh, throw it on a post and see what they think. But uh, the vinyls in excess, Wall of Voodoo, Oingo Boingo, the English beat, A Flock of Seagulls, Straight Cats, Men at Work and The Clash. that was May 28th, New Wave Day.
1: No, don't think we move too slow. It's no use after crying. Saying it's a mistake.
3: And that's my number four top five albums from 1983, Men at Work, Cargo. That's a good day of music. That was the funnest day of music in my life, and funnest isn't a word and I don't care. <laughs>
0: It's all right. Maybe our favorite New Zealand listener can answer this for us, but I don't really think that Aussies and Kiwis really get along that well. No, no. So that could have prevented it from doing better in New Zealand. Why
3: would they not get along? They're, I, I don't know. know. I got that impression from watching a lot of Flight of the Concords though i got to say something about Greg Ham. That guy is so on point with his saxophone for them. I mean, it, it's, it's a pleasure just watching him. He's amazing. Oh, and I also got to mention that uh, I did run into Colin one time at a concert. But uh, I was listening to uh, Terry... Uh, doing her backstage, you know, soundcheck and everything and met her that way. But then uh, after that, I just kind of sat down in in this area. And all of a sudden, this one gentleman sits down next to me and make a long story short, it was actually Colin. I just didn't recognize him because, you know, last time I really saw him was probably 83 at this concert and he was in this yellow jumpsuit or something like that. And It was pretty funny because I was in the front row, so he saw me. So after the concert, I went up to him and uh, he's like, yeah, it was pretty funny. What uh, happened today? I'm like, what? You mean when we were sitting next to each other and I thought you were somebody that you weren't and I was going to get in trouble? And he's like, yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, it was. And I said, would you mind signing these uh, albums of yours? And you're awesome got a picture with them and everything
2: very cool there's a band though that hit a sophomore slump and do you remember how everybody oh, yeah. ran out and started buying Vegemite because of the yeah. oh, lyric yeah. in that song <laughs> no. and it's the most disgusting try and go and remember that uh, Vegemite sandwich well I know the lyric. I don't Vegemite. remember right. I don't remember some big craze of everybody going out and buying Vegemite I remember though. because yeah, it became a big thing oh everyone started running out and it's not good no, from what nasty. I remember no, yeah, it's oh, terrible. It's past nasty. It's like <laughs> i go in your backyard and find a little, you know, treasure from your dog, put that on a cracker. It probably tastes better than Vegemite from what well, I remember of it.
0: There goes <laughs> our rankings
2: in Australia. Oh, I'm just not saying. I think Australians don't like Vegemite either. Who knows? We have It's definitely Vegemite. not peanut butter. It's definitely <laughs> not peanut butter.
0: <laughs> all right. My number 4 album this week is New Orders. Power, Corruption, and Lies, released in May 1983. I made a comment when I picked the 12-inch single of Blue Monday a few episodes ago that it represented a pivotal point in New Order's career where they ceased to be the band that picked up the pieces of Joy Division and became New Order, the juggernaut that was completely their own thing. And that's not to downplay everything that New Order did prior to this album, because I love the Movement album and their early singles, but Power Corruption and Lies is the sound of New Order fulfilling the initial promise of Blue Monday and continuing to build their own identity as a separate entity. Like the best of their work, it perfectly balances the cutting-edge electronic music, influenced by Kraftwerk and Marauder, with guitar-based post-punk, and never once comes off as disingenuous or gimmicky. Of course, all the band's trademarks are here in abundance, including Hookie's distinctive melodic bass lines played way high up the neck, and Bernard Sumner, who comes into his own as a vocalist on this album. Barney's instrument is admittedly a limited one, but he's able to eke every ounce of emotion out of a lyric like no one else can, and I can really only think of Richard Butler as a peer in that arena who can make so much out of so little. I'll take that over melismatic technical proficiency any day, and yeah, I'm talking to you, Mariah, Christina, (laughs) and Whitney. Rest in peace, Whitney. Even though there are no singles plucked from this album, as was the band's common practice until 1985, look at the track list and you realize that most of these songs are New Order standards.
2: Thought that never changes remains a stupid lie It's never been quite the same No hearing or breathing
0: Age of Consent, Your Silent Face, The Village, 586, Leave Me Alone. It's an undisputed classic. And my number four this week,
2: Power, Corruption, and Lies by New Order. Yes. Great pick. Yes. Well, we are taking a look at our top albums of 1983 here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Now, don't forget head over to our Facebook page, make sure and like our page, hit notifications, and we appreciate you being a part of the community and helping us build this community. So if you can please hit share each time you see a post from us so that we can get more people to talk about classic alternative music and we can keep on building. We've been through our number fours, our number fives, Our number three top albums of 1983 are coming up after this. What comes after five? Six. Depending on which way you're going.
1: I don't know which way. my
2: dyslexia. Are you making fun?
0: And when you say hit share, do not actually punch the singer's share. I don't know. Keep your hands off the
2: share. I'm sure she's really nice. She's probably got great stories. Oh, she's got great stories. Oh, God. Imagine like getting the beer buzz with her on like a Tuesday afternoon. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. She'll tell you all kinds of weird things. Yeah. I've dreamt about it. (laughs) Me too. I haven't. <laughs> From the era that brought you Where's the Beef?
1: Where's the Beef?
2: And Max Headroom.
3: This is my Ma- Ma- Max Headroom. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros.
2: Buckle up and experience only
1: three. I'd like 80 white castles to go. I had cravings when I was pregnant, but 80 white castles? Oh, they're not all for me. They're for my family while I'm in the hospital. We buy them frozen and reheat them in the microwave. We do it all the time. I can hardly wait till Mom goes to hospital. We'll get a new brother. Or sister. And we'll eat white castles every meal for a week. Yeah, Dad's a great cook. I-
2: We are back. The Only Three Lads podcast. We would take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Don't forget, we are on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're at our number threes of our top albums of 1983. And for me this week, an album that, you know, the, the, the cover I thought was so edgy at the time. But I look at it now and I think, I wonder why I thought it was so edgy. It's a woman's hand, black fingernails with smashed roses and it looks like a black with white marble background. And it must have been the black fingernails because that is the mark of a bad girl. And I'll tell you this album, there's a song on it that when my son was around three years old, he liked the song Revenge off of it. So Ministries debut album from 1983 with Sympathy, my third top album from that year this week. It's one of the first synth albums that I really got into, and I'm not sure why. It probably was because of the black fingernails, but Effigy, Revenge, I Wanted to Tell Her, Work for Love, all great songs on the album. Now, native Chicagoan Al Jorgensen, he may have sang in an English accent and spent years running from this album. Now he says he wouldn't be such a maniac douchebag without it, so he's thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. I still listen to this music all the time.
1: Now you taking-
2: Ministries with sympathy, number three this week for me. It's the only ministry album I can listen to. I do like some of the industrial stuff um, from the '90s. Uh, when it all of a sudden I was like, "Ministry, is that the same band?" It's almost to think that's the same band and the same guy from yeah. 1983 to you know when uh, New World Order came up. And bah, dun, 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 you know, but uh, that industrial stuff, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a I'm talking about Slayer before, so how could I not like that too? That's true. He so. did like an about face, huh? He did. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, every day is Halloween. That's not oh, a yeah. great song. I mean, the early ministry stuff, I I wish he would go on tour and just play that just like a club tour yeah, and just do cool. that first album. It would be huge, huge.
0: And he definitely did something about his face. Didn't he get a bunch of like face piercings and stuff? Maybe he
2: got face tattoos. I better look up Al George. I don't know if it's tattoos, but he, I mean, he grew a beard, long hair. He, he completely, as Bueno said, did it in about a 180-degree yeah. turn from what he was to what he became, but it's still both sides of that coin of ministry I'm, I'm into.
3: Well, I don't know. He might have done a 720.
2: <laughs> Maybe. How, let's see. Well,
0: that's, that's three full or two full circles?
3: 720. I
0: didn't do as well yeah. on that math test
1: as you did, yep. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Two,
3: 360s, man yeah 2360s jumps into our Depeche mode construction time again released August 22nd this is their third studio album and this is the first one with Alan Wilder two singles released of course everything counts and Lovin' Itself uh, plus some more hidden gems on this record so start off with Lovin' Itself in the video I mean Andy Dave Martin and Alan just is a little weird and fun to watch there was a time when know the awesome of course everything counts so beautiful that they looked so young back then in 83 this thing is 80 38 years old yeah oh my gosh the hidden gem told you so you got to check that one out i mean this is an incredible record a lot of people Kind of probably forgot about this one too but uh, that's why it landed as my number three top five albums from 1983 depression mode construction time again
2: All right, and I'm gonna say this because I truly believe it. I'm gonna say it. Ever since Alan Wilder left Depeche Mode in 1995, that band has never been the same since. Never? Um, They had Ultra that came out after that, and it was great. There was a lot of good songs off of it. I enjoy listening to it, but it's just different. And I think that if they can get Alan Wilder back into that band, and I think there was a producer that said, Martin Gore, he was the ideas man. He wrote the lyrics. And then you had Dave Gahan. He was the attitude. Alan Wilder, he was the craftsman. He, he, he He's the sound of Depeche Mode and why we love Depeche Mode so much. And then he had nothing to say about Andy Fletcher because <laughs> what does he do? He gets the coffee, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> I wish they would all get back together, that four, yeah. Yeah. and do a new album. I I would give a finger. I'll yeah. chop off my pinky. Because yep. that's how bad I want to see some new wow. Depeche Mode. Wow. And I would love to see them get Alan Wilder. I mean, if you get a chance, listen to his stuff he's been working on since '95. He had a project that's called Recoil. You guys know yep. about that. Yep. And he would have different artists with him because he doesn't, he says he's not a songwriter. He looks at himself as more of a director. Yep. And so he would take Martin Gore's messages and his songs and put music to it. And that's the Depeche Mode sound. And that's what's missing. And I want it back on planet Earth. I uh, the third rock from the sun yesterday.
0: But that's just me. Well, kids, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uncle Greg will do self-harm if he gets a new Depeche Mode album. My whole life's Depeche been Ford. about
3: self-harm. Yeah, am on I Planet mean, Earth, too. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid he'll do something with Duran Duran, too. Oh, please. I just I just want to hear some new music. God, on. wouldn't that be great if Duran Duran knocked on your door and they said, Hey, Uncle Greg, we're playing Planet Earth for you, and then we're leaving. But here you go.
2: Yeah, no, I'm told to be Come down. On. Let's yeah. do it. No, then i sure. want to talk to john for a while talk about bass hey show me some lines that you were what's no. some of the uh, things that you've taught yourself incredible that's where
0: it's gone for duran duran they've now gone door no. oh. to door having to pedal their wares
2: they don't have to do that but if they got alan wilder you know after wilder left depeche mode he was invited to join the cure i told you last week i went into an alan wilder hole and so he was invited to join the cure but he said nah i'm gonna go do this recoil thing huh That'd but I would have loved to see him work with, yeah, Robert Smith. That would have been yeah. great, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. So where Is we it at? No, it's Bueno. No, it's you. Bueno. Oh, I just talked. Me. Yeah, he just that's said bueno, Depeche yeah. Mode. Oh, that's yeah. where I went into the Depeche that's Mode right. tirade. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Okay. Ooh, oh, oh. Pull us out okay. of that hole.
0: <laughs> I was too busy looking up pictures of Al Jorgensen with all his face piercings. Oh, okay. Yeah, quite okay. scary. He looks like. Captain Jack Sparrow fell onto oh. a bed of nails or something. I don't know.
3: With heroin. I was oh, pulling sure. up uh, Joey Heatherton's picture and, you know, Angie Dickinson just going I'd back into the 70s and Heatherton looking than see, than see how beautiful Jackson. some of these women Al were back then.
2: I'm going to pull right, up well, early blondie oh photos. Oh my god, I saw a couple
3: oh, yeah. beautiful pictures of her in the last couple days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. Okay. All right, Help go. us. Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. Alright, well speaking of of weird
0: (laughs) i love weird albums and that's a part of why i love my number three album so much it is omd's fourth album dazzle ships released on march 4th 1983 almost exactly 38 years ago so as a kid i used to love playing around with my mom's shortwave radio i don't know if you guys were ever into that but i eventually got one of my own as a teenager before the internet The concept of finally tuning the dial with the payoff of getting a staticky transmission from far fallen corners of the globe was an absolutely thrilling thought. Through the white noise, these transmissions seemed alien and especially when listening late at night, really kind of eerie and creepy. It was like being let in on somebody else's secret. It brought about a strange feeling of isolation like it was just me and the voice on the other end and a feeling of comfort knowing that there is somebody else out there. I'd occasionally stop at the spot where it would 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, just tell you the time. At the tone, the time will be 2.34 and 30 seconds Greenwich Mean Time. Beep. 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 Ding. Ding. At the tone, the time will be... And so on and so forth. They would just do this. And I would be fascinated and just listen to this for, I don't know, minutes on end, probably, but... Dazzle Ships, to me, is the album that captures all of those feelings. The record plays like a strange broadcast, foreign and unsettling, from the opening clarion call of Radio Prague to the noises of Dazzle Ships to, yes... They take those time-telling stations and they layer them in various languages in the track time zones. The songs are bleak, woozy, and mechanical techno-pop laced with dialogue, snippets, and found sounds.
2: I'm practical.
0: Humphreys and McCloskey's melodic sensibilities always shine through on tracks like Genetic Engineering, Telegraph, and one of OMD's masterpieces in my mind, the album closer of all the things we made. This is one of the great experimental albums of the 80s, one of the rare concept albums of the era, and is an astounding artistic triumph. I wish OMD had continued in this vein of pushing the envelope further and further, but of course, they were soon on to greater commercial fortunes with a career of relatively straightforward synth pop. The album's predecessor, Architecture and Morality, is for good reason considered the duo's high watermark, but Dazzle Ships remains my sentimental favorite and my number three this week. Awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, it's such a, a cool album. Don't is go in expecting weird? A, a pop album. No. It's pretty
3: Brett weird. Yes. All right. I don't think so.
0: No? No. I actually enjoyed that record. Oh, well, it's very enjoyable. Right. If you like, like, say, uh, Kid A by Radiohead,
2: yes. you'll like Dazzle Ships. Ooh. Yeah. I'm even more interested now. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. All right. Kid A is a great album. Yes, it is. Seeing uh, Chelsea Handler skiing naked
0: and chelsea handler skiing naked
2: yeah i just i can't jump on that wagon i'm sorry um, <laughs> chelsea handler i mean she seems like a nice person i'm sure we could laugh and sh- i would love to maybe i read one of her books one time make go you know see her stand up but seeing her naked i have other aspirations dream big greg to each their own yes you know 40 year old boobies they're their her old man's boobies 20-year-old boobies, community boobies, right? (laughs) (laughs) Creepy. All right, here we go. Coming down. Coming in at number two of my top albums of 1983 is from an artist that did not, did not have a sophomore slump with his second album. Even though the album is named after a bourbon, Billy Idol was partying, not dancing with himself, but drinking with the Rolling Stones. I'm sure the cancel culture might get their panties in a bunch nowadays over the album Rebel Yell. The album, a huge hit worldwide. Four videos, Rebel Yell, Eyes Without a Face, Flesh for Fantasy, Catch My Fall, all on heavy rotation on MTV that had the album Rebel Yell in our faces for years. I mean, every song on this album, full throttle. If you love rock, it's just in your face, Steve Stevens, he worked on this album, his guitars, uh, his guitar work is just top notch. So anytime I hear Billy Idol's album, Rebel Yell, I cry more, more, more. Number two, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell of my top albums of 1983. See, that, I was at the point there in 1983 when they were playing that. And
3: Brett's face tells me he does not agree with
2: that. Mm-hmm. No, I do. I, I, that oh. was my
3: Billy Idol sneer. Oh,
0: okay. No, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hideous Billy Idol sneer that I, I
2: watched myself. But. Well, you, you look like you were in pain. I was like, oh, he doesn't like that album. Well, okay. No, I do. <laughs> although I'm more of a Gen X guy, but, uh, but I do Gen X like was that. great, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Billy Idol was so different, you know, when he came in with, you know, uh, White Wedding. I mean, that was just some cool stuff.
3: Yeah. Well, Steven's like, guitar work, it just... Yeah.
2: Because like the just... they, 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 they kind of broke up for a while, then they got back yeah. together, went back on the road. I mean, gosh, I, Billy Idol is somebody who I'd love to see with Steve Stevens one day after this COVID crap is done. here. Here. That would be fantastic. Bueno, what's your
3: runner-up? My runner-up uh, is by R.E.M. Murmur. It's their first record, released April 12th, by IRS Records. And when I hear the four drum beats to start the first song, Radio Free Europe, you guys, I was hooked, man. That was it right there. This record drew critical acclaim upon its release. I mean, Michael Stipe's incredible lyrics. I mean, Peter Buck's jangy guitar work. I mean, Michael Mills' bass lines. I mean, two singles released. Radio for Europe, about the passion. I had a lot of fun listening to this masterpiece, which I've probably listened to hundreds of times in my life, but probably been you know six months to a year. And just the passion that I hear from him and his voice. and. You know, Beautiful Circle is such a beautiful ballad and you know, give that one a listen and there's some hidden gems, you know, sitting still and west of the field. And they characterize this as a quiet, inverted side of, uh, you know, first wave of alternative rock in the United States. But uh, this record actually sold about 200,000 copies by the end of 83. And uh, actually, Rolling Stone named it the best album of 83, beating out Thriller and uh, The Police Synchronicity and U2's uh, War. So. It's not too bad right there for 1983 for a first record from a band that we all know and love. REM, e. picking up the silver this week, Murmur. Not too
0: shabby. Good yeah. pick. Yeah. My number yeah. two album is The Chameleon Script of the Bridge, released on August 8th, 1983. But really, other than perhaps the echoey snap of the snare drum, you'd be excused for listening to it and thinking it was a newly released album. What's amazing is that this fully formed masterpiece was the band's debut. Nearly 38 years after its initial release, it still sounds powerful, passionate, and relevant today. It hits hard, it's dark as heck, but life-affirming at the same time. For those unfamiliar... Imagine a blend, if you will, of unknown pleasures, pornography, and a dash of U2-era boy with a dreamy atmosphere and the overdrive of a twin guitar attack, and you're almost there. I use those albums as touch points, as this is the equal of any of those records, but don't be misled that it's derivative in any way. The Chameleons had their own unique sound, and it would be hard to imagine bands like Interpol, The Killers, Editors, and a lot of shoegays existing without them. The album is a journey through the mind of Mark Burgess, and every single song is fascinating and carries a certain hypnotic power. The lyrics poetically ruminate on death, solitude, drugs, religion, and politics, and it's certainly not a lighthearted album. Take a track like the second song, Here Today, that is allegedly written from the perspective of John Lennon after getting shot, where it says, my chest is burning, I think someone set my soul alight, not sure what happened, but I don't think I'll get home tonight. Absolutely chilling stuff. Heavy, heavy stuff, but the songs are so uniformly excellent that I cannot recommend it highly enough. And it's my number two this week: The Chameleons' "Script of the Bridge."
2: Awesome! Another one I'm going to have to check out. I can't say that I could. My internal dialogue is going: Can I hear any of those songs in my you head? And check I can't. It out. You I should, should check it out. That's what we should all do. I guess listen you, to this er- episode
0: for a teaser. Greg.
2: Oh no, I'm going to. <laughs> but it's like we all need that certainty but then you need that uncertainty in life so i think we should all put out maybe like a homework assignment this week to listen to a band you hated in the past or an album or something Uh to maybe rediscover it you know or find something new that you didn't think that you would like because you never know you may like it now or you may discover something new so there's a lot of stuff on your list i have to go and check out brett so thank you for that it is my pleasure and my duty all right
3: all of ours yes oh yeah Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, Oh, no. Where we take a look at the golden age of
3: alternative music. And we snap him into a Slim Jim. (laughs) From
2: 1974 to 1999. Oh,
0: yeah. Greg needs to use the restroom on break. (laughs) I think so.
2: (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's the top albums of 1983 and the mental breakdown of all three lads this week. Yeah, it is. It's only three lads. Not all three lads. I'm just saying we're all having a mental breakdown. Okay. I I think Brett's keeping it together.
3: breakdowns.
2: Bueno, you've been gone since uh, minute one, and I'm starting to lose it. So uh, we will be back with our number ones from our top albums of 1983 after this.
1: These kids are totally into fun and games. Strip video. You got it. Fun. and me. And good times. And fun. Hi, Jan. Hi Cody. Just for the fun of it. The video arcade has made me what I am today. Get a grip on some fun. Enjoy sticks. Rate it off.
3: Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your local newspapers for theater and time. And what you've just been listening to is the ultimate in recorded sound. It will make all conventional disc and cassette systems obsolete. It's dustproof, scratchproof, scratch-proof, digitally
1: recorded, read by a laser, and it's called the compact disc.
2: We are back. Thanks for hanging out with us and sticking around to the Only Three Lads podcast. We are taking a look at our top albums of 1983. A lot of great music in 83, a lot of great rock, but a lot of great alternative music too. Any honorable mentions from either of you two this week before we get into our number ones? Oh, you're gonna do that to me now? Now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, David Bowie, let's dance. Echoing the Porky Porcupine, the
3: Plimsolls everywhere at once. The Police Synchronicity, Spandau Ballet, True Sparks in the Outer Space. Talking Heads Speaking in Tongues, Tears for Fears the Hurting, The Water Boys, Water Boys,
2: XTC Murmur. That's it. You know what's so crazy to think, though, real quick, is that Synchronicity was Police's last album, and that was 38 years ago this year. Isn't Mm -hmm. that crazy? Yeah. Insano. Insano. All right, Brett, what are some of your honorable mentions? I had
0: uh U two war, I had Porcupine uh speaking in tongues, the replacements who nanny, the church's seance, flock seagulls listen, go betweens before Hollywood, Rain Parade, Emergency Third Rail Power Trip, Altered Images Bite, uh Sad Lovers and Giants
2: Feeding the Flame. I could go on. Well, well I, I guess Go Go Betweens was gonna be on your list, but it looks like they I will not now. Did. Because it's one of your honorable mentions. I'm full of surprises, Greg. I know. Curveballs, curveballs. I'm surprised no one has said the Eurythmics yet because how influential they were. And when they came on the scene, you couldn't tell is that a man? Is that a woman? All as I know is this is a great song. Mm-hmm. Yep. All in 83.
0: Yeah. Other than In the Garden at Eurythmics albums, I find to be wildly
2: incoherent. And I trust that because the PhD, the Rockter, Brett Vargo says so. They have so. some decent singles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, to me, they just couldn't keep my interest through a whole album. It wasn't like a snapshot. It was just a bunch of singles put together on vinyl. To you. To me. To you. But their All first right. album I really like. So you guys ready to get into our top albums of 1983? We're at our number ones already? We are here. And then I guess you can talk about your honorable mentions too, right? Well, I just said, you know, what, Rhythmix. I would say The no. Fix, you know, Reach the Beach was great. Um, I was at Naked Eyes. So Oingo Boingo good for soul that year Good for the slow Yep. Yep. those would be mine I would think and then now now I'm at the top heap of my list of the top albums uh, of 1983. I
3: don't think we're any crossovers either
2: I know isn't that crazy mm-hmm. maybe maybe not we're no, gonna see we're it's gotta happen now from uh, my my pick for number one it's from a band that went on to some great success this album released 38 years ago on February 28th 1983 and I believe it was their last great album. The band has sold over an estimated 150 to 170 million albums. They only sold 4 million of this album, but again, I believe it's their last great piece of work. Now, the album War was a critical and commercial success, but it's when you 2 still lived among the commoners, I feel. You know, War to me, raw with early u2 is like when they didn't have a net they just threw it out there and didn't care the music spoke to me as an early teen the album's opener sunday bloody sunday if that doesn't want to make you go burn a bus nothing will What a great song. The album was released, as I said, starting my teenage years, and these songs still grow on you. New Year's Day, Seconds, Two Hearts Beat as One, 40. All great songs on the album more. It's when you 2 I felt, was saying what they meant and meant what they were saying. Bono's wailing still punches me in the chest today. I think, you know, like I've, I've said this before, as they got into rattle and humming, and I
1: still haven't
2: found what I'm looking for, they, you know, they lost me. And then in the '90s, they got into kind of the dance and Zouropa and all that other stuff. It just didn't speak to me like the early U2. But my number one album of 1983, no doubt, U2 War. Great great pick yeah came so close and greg did you say
0: february 28th which is the day that we're recording this so the album is 38 years old as of today yes wow so, mm-hmm. what happens cool. dance but i but i didn't want to date the uh, episode so i didn't put it well i way. understand that but you know i mean we record
2: when we record so yeah happy birthday war yeah i believe yeah. that 38 years ago today wow and it it must have been a tuesday because usually albums back in the day they dropped on a tuesday Tuesday. but now they drop on fridays usually now yeah is what i see but they do they do change man that's what happens the one constant is change kids
0: now the only thing to look forward to on tuesday is a new o3l yeah oh my god yes and
3: that's
1: that's, that's bringing it full
3: circle
2: why oh my god
3: (laughs) that's why i wanted it on tuesdays lads for that reason look at that 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 went way over my head until this very exact second oh my gosh no that's why I wanted it on Tuesday because record release days were always on Tuesdays back in the day and it's well well yeah so sorry learn something new more than meets the eye there Bueno
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bueno what's your top
3: one (laughs) just an old whammy that's what I am as my number one the b52s yes happy birthday Cindy today also so this one is released april twenty seventh you know thirty eight years ago and a couple months and a day. third their third record recorded in the Bahamas. find it and remastered it or mastered it in New York City. The general public really didn't care for this record. Are you effing kidding me? Sales for Whammy were weak, they said. Three singles, legal, tender, whammy, kiss, song for a future generation. But this album entered the top Billboard 200 twice in 1983, getting to 29 and 171 throughout the year. So here's the deal, the fly on the wall I hear Keith just doesn't want to drum anymore. So maybe we should find a new drummer or replace him with a drum machine so we can add two more instruments into our music and set the drum machine up to whatever the hell we want to have it do. You know what I'm saying there? So I say, say smart, thinking boss, we just buy the drum machine, we pay him only once, and he plays. And Keith, we add his rhythm guitar and keyboards. Pretty cool way to go. So legal tender, I'm first hearing the drumming and I start following in love again with the B-52s. Oh my gosh, this song is incredible. And the video was fun to watch. And uh, hit 81 on the Cashbox top 100. But it butterbeaned its way to number 9 on the hot dance club play. So followed up with the yoko influence screams in the cool dude whammy kiss. Oh my gosh, the, the girls are hitting the Yoko screams perfectly throughout this song. Check it out. Did you ever know that that's where it came from? I bet you didn't. Song for Future Generation, love this video. And the hairdos, Ricky Shorts. How can you not fall in love with the B-52? So sweet, you know what I'm talking about. Butterbean ends that side one, excuse me, as I stand up and deliver, and flip over the platter to side B, and drop the needle down on Trism, probably the weakest cut, and it goes on to one of the Queen of Las Vegas hidden track here. This thing, this gem, with the drum machines and the synthesizers, these guys turn these masterpieces into a highly upbeat and highly danceable songs, and Bueno is commenting and loving on Whammy and calling it as an overlooked gem. Don't worry, I need your help on this one, Brett. So this track was originally cut for Yoko Ono's tribute tribute album called Every Man Has a Woman. And it was intended to be an exclusive on that album, but it never appeared. And Warner's or the B-52 camp reneged on the deal as the song never made it onto the album, but turned up on Whammy. And I read somewhere that legal action sued and the song was removed from all future pressings. So what's the real story, do you know? That's the real
0: story, as far as I know. Okay, it didn't
3: go any farther I, yeah, I than I that. I don't know
0: why. I mean, that, that tribute album
3: is actually really good. Well, that's why this whammy landed as the winner slot of my 51th episode. Top five albums from 1983, W52's whammy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the 51th episode, huh? <laughs> you like that one, huh? I do like that. I do like that. Well, it seems that uh, we have been on quite the Athens, Georgia kick lately.
2: Are we going to have a crossover?
0: I don't know, but I'm just saying, so, bueno, you had REM and the B-52s, I had Pylon, and we had the episode last week, so, gosh, we must be something in the water there. Mm -hmm. All right, so, when talking about any consumable art form, particularly music, essential is a word that gets thrown around an awful lot. Heck, I think every song, album, and band I pick on this show every week is essential because I believe, and I'm probably egotistical in that way, that it's Uh, also great that they belong in any record collection. And hopefully 51 episodes in, we're all earning our reputations as barometers of good taste. But I know that our picks are so intensely personal that they can't please everyone. I respect that Yoko (laughs) may not be deemed as essential to Uncle Greg. You'll come around, Greg. Just as System of a Down will never be essential to me. That's not only what makes our show interesting, but the diversity and different perspectives make the world go round. But when referring to the music we discuss on O3L, I am going to use the word essential when I mention this album. My number one album this week, Crossover, is R.E.M.'s Murmur, released in April 1983. And yes... Murmur should be an essential part of any rock record collection, alternative or otherwise. It's a cornerstone of what was called college rock, modern rock, jangle pop, whatever you call it, it's brilliant. In an era dominated by synthesizers and an increased reliance on studio technology, REM forged a new sound out of old tricks. So Bueno very astutely put this. You have Peter Buck's guitar jangle, which was shaded with 60s tones. Heavily indebted to the birds, Mike Mills' bass lines popped with a melodicism that were miles away from the mechanical throbbing that was in vogue at the time. Bill Barry played a real drum kit recorded in a real drum booth, and Michael Stipe, well, I mean, you couldn't really understand most of what he sang, but what was obvious was that he meant every word of that gibberish. were sounds that you've heard before, but not quite like this. I liken them really to the Smiths and what they were doing across the pond. They inspired legions of young bands to return to the garage, pick up guitars, and truly connect with the music. And just as you can't listen to a compilation like C86 over in the UK without hearing the Smiths influence all over it, listen to one of my hot picks from last year, a compilation put out by Capture Tracks called Strum and Thrum, The American Jangle Underground, 1983 to 1987, and you will hear just how impactful and influential R.E.M. really was. It's another one of those albums that has constantly featured on critics' lists, best albums of all time, best albums of the 80s, best albums that have pictures of weeds on the front cover, yada, yada. (laughs) At the end of the day, it all amounts to a hill of beans or a hill of weeds or whatever. But it's all about the music contained therein. Radio Free Europe, Talk About the Passion, Moral Kiosk, Catapult, Perfect Circle. It truly is, in every sense of the word, an essential listen. And therefore, it is my number one this week. Crossover.
2: REM, murmur.
1: With bueno, yeah. Bueno, bueno.
2: I, I thought we'd have more crossovers because New Order crossed my path, B52's yeah. whammy crossed my path, but I just was like, mm, I think I'm going to go with this one instead. So, but wow. I thought REM and New Order stood a chance of being triple crossovers. Yes. Yep. Well, I don't know. REM, I like, but that's not a band that I like and love. But I mean, I do recognize how important they are and how great they are. I remember their album in '94, Monster, when that came out what's the frequency kenneth and the story yeah. behind that i loved which if you don't know that story it was uh which news guy was that dan rather remember? dan rather somebody basically mugged him and was beating the hell out of him and kept on asking him what's the frequency kenneth god that would be that's like a horror movie that's awesome just shows you young songwriters you can get a song out of anything exactly
3: yeah, sure can you never know
2: yeah oh, walking down the wow. street it's unbelievable that R.E.M. is retired.
3: I don't know. I think he's saving his voice. That's what I think he's doing. I think he retired for, for a reason. I think he's coming back. I, I think R.E.M. is coming back one day. I just think because he's seen so many different singers over the years nonstop, and they just destroy their voice, and I think he's letting it kind of rebuild. And Did Michael Stipe have something out not too long ago? I mean, yeah, I think he did, a solo, you know, solo, solo yeah. project. But otherwise, I think they're going to come back. You know how big I hope. that would be?
2: I don't know if it'd be as big as Depeche Mode with Alan Wilder in back in there, but it's it was something big. Usually it's drummers in a band that kind of, you know, kind of physically have to quit first. Because drummers are the ones who really abuse and, you know, it's so weird. Like you hear drummers with like rotator cuff problems and it's, that's what I usually hear is the drummers are the ones that usually physically are unable to to continue the singers they could sometimes robert mason you don't know that name but he used to be in lynch mob and he was in he's currently in uh warrant and they do rock and all that stuff but there was one time he toured the world and he was like he sang with ozzy he would be off stage and ozzy would be singing on stage but he that's how a great singer that robert mason is but he would then tour and you know, sing with Ozzy so that it would like back his voice, kind of like uh, a backing vocal. And they yeah. can do that with, you know, a singer. Yeah. But usually with the drummer, they're gonna you know, like Black Sabbath on their last tour, Bill, whatever his last name, he was physically unable to Bored. do it. Board, yeah. thank you. So and you have so, to have sometimes two drummers on stage, one one's right. kind of just, you know, there as a figurehead. Right, yeah. and, or sometimes they're under the stage, like Robert Mason. He was like on the side of the stage, but you couldn't see him because he was behind whatever stage presence or you know, whatever they
3: build. You no, know, yeah. look what happened to Phil Collins. He he went through that too. So,
2: oh yeah, that, he can't yeah. drum anymore. Uh, who was uh, the Donnas? the The drummer for her, uh, I can't think of her name at all. But the drummer had to quit. Donna. Well, one of the Donnas. Donna, Donna, but she had to quit because you know she was for for that whole time she was just a banger, and uh, she was drumming incorrectly for so many years that I guess her arms started having problems and <laughs> her shoulders, and so she had surgery. But then at the end there, she couldn't tour, but she'd be there for all the press.
3: I don't know what about my boy over his Foo Fighters. I mean, the way he bangs those drums. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just a maniac.
2: Tyler Hawkins or
1: Hawkins.
2: <laughs>
3: Taylor Hawkins.
0: Yep.
2: Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, yep. that hit from 1983, Maniac. Oh, well, Un- what a feeling! that's Oh, 1983. I saw Flashdance in 1983. We walked up to the movie theater and I. We were talking about it and I thought, oh wow, we can see nudity. And um, I asked for Flashdance, and they were going to sell me the ticket. And I remember, oh, wait a second. got to make sure my friends are going to see this one. So I ran back, hey, dude, we can go see Flashdance. And so we went, what a horrible movie. I was so, I don't know what we were going to see. But for the nip slip that we saw in Flashdance, it really wasn't wasn't worth worth it. It, No,
0: No, you would have been better off with the Care Bears movie.
2: I wouldn't go that far. The Care Uh, Bears movie. (laughs) There is a nip
0: slip in that, too. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. Those bears, I hate to tell you, but they're naked.
3: Okay, that's creepy, guys. All
2: right. Hey, 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 thank you for hanging out with us here on yeah. the Only Three Lads podcast. This week, we took a look at our top albums of 1983. Get to our Facebook page. Why don't we see your list? You put it down there. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Is there hey, anything James else? Bond? Yeah, James Bond came out with Octopussy that year. Well, th- oh, that well. also, too, would throw you because you're thinking, wow, what are we going to get to see? And it had nothing yeah. to do with any of that. <laughs> Whatever it was, it had eight arms. <laughs> <laughs> and had sheena easton though wasn't she the she she did the theme song for that one
0: uh that was for uh, your eyes I, only for your eyes only yeah sheena yeah, I don't easton know was did hot this. was there a, what
2: was the theme song to octopussy oh i don't know i don't know, don't, I don't octopussy, don't know. hey <laughs> it it had to be like a dean martin thing or like a rat pack <laughs> hey Bigging here comes octopussy, octopussy
3: hey and valley girl came out that year too so oh, there that, you was, that, that was a great movie yeah. too yeah yeah, that whole thing was filmed where I grew
2: up, pretty much. All right, should we run through our lists? Oh, okay, sure, yeah. All right, well, hey, starting with number five for me, Tears for Fears, The Hurting. Number four, The Cure with Japanese Whispers. At number three, Ministry with Sympathy. Number two this week, Billy Idol, Rebel Yell, and my top album of 1983, U2, War. My number five, Adam Ant, Strip. My number four, Minute Work, Cargo.
3: Number three, Depeche Mode. Construction time again. Number two, R E M Murmur Crossover. With what's that guy's name over there? Sorry going go by the rocker. The Brett Bro- Vargo. Bro- Bro- Vargo. Oh, I think you. for 1983 it's Blaine. <laughs> My number one top five albums from 1983, the B-52s, whammy. Great,
0: great, great. My top five, number five, pylon chump. Number four, New Order, Power, Corruption, and Lies. Number three, OMD Dazzle Ships. Number two, the Chameleon script of the bridge, and number one, yes, the crossover with Bueno,
2: REM, Murmur.
0: Eighty-three
2: was a good guys. year. Great,
0: great, yes. great. It great. Nice it's nice.
2: diverse, it's different, and it's all great yes. music. It's all yes, great indeed. music. All right, anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here? Uh,
0: randomize. We've got to randomize. God, thank you, you for keeping
2: us on on task. Yeah, yeah. that's no twice problem. now. Strike two no, for me. All right, let's see what we're doing next I'm here week. For. Not all much right. else, but all right, let's hit it. And you know what? If you get a strike three, I
3: get to shoot you with a plastic gun that has a rubber mallet. In it. <laughs> Dude,
0: do <Okay>. you now? <laughs> all right,
3: right, let's do it. <laughs> in the stomach. Anything
0: for a cheap laugh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to continue on with the top five albums, but we're going to move forward a little bit to 1996.
3: 1996,
2: okay Right there in the heart of my alternative radio career yep. Right there yep. Alright yep. Now is there anything you guys want to say Before Next. we get out of here I will say in 1983
0: fashion Thank you for listening and gag me with a spoon Oh yeah, that's right No,
3: it's gag me with a pitchfork Is it? Yeah, it's gag me with a pitchfork it uh, would hurt It would really hurt So <laughs> keep masking up Keep sending love to everybody, be kind, and definitely, like always, be
0: bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: It's NFL Draft Season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.